Hold on. Merry Christmas, and thank you for joining us this morning for our Christmas Day service. Uh, we are streaming today instead of having a live service because between everybody coming in from the country and the weather and everything else, like, like historically this Sunday has not been super well attended, and so we just want to encourage you guys to be home and still to worship, and so we're doing our online worship stuff, but we're doing it together, and so if you are with us this morning and we've done our songs, you know, hopefully you sang along, and we're going to, like, hear the word preached this morning, and so let's bow our heads, let's take a moment to uh, pray and just be in the Lord's presence before we dive into the word today. Uh, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be with me as I unpack the scriptures, as I... Uh, you know, share with the folks today, like, what what the birth of Christ means and what we, like, our role in relation to this. Like, what, what now? And I pray that you would be with us. I pray that you would help us to know Christ more, to know his salvation, to know his um, death for us, to know his, like, the amount of obedience and, like, awesomeness it took for him to just step into the world and become a human to become one of us, to save us where we're at. I thank you, Lord, for being, being the God who loves us that much. I thank you for being the God of Christmas. Um, thank you for being the God of joy to the world. Uh, pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. So, uh, Christmas is here, now what, uh, is my title today. This is our very last sermon in our series on how to host a king. And we have looked at a bunch of different things today. And before we dive into what we're looking at, I want to share two stories. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was asked about my favorite Christmas memory or my favorite Christmas gift. And I, uh, I shared a story in that setting, and I wanted to share that one again and another one. My two... The two Christmas gifts that I will remember, like, forever, um, when I was, I think, eight or nine, uh, in, like, 1984, 1985, my little brother, Peter, and I, we would play with our G.I. Joes every day. We'd play in the yard, we'd run around with them, we had vehicles and tanks, and we looked and we wanted, more than anything... They had two different airplanes, like the good guy airplane and the bad guy airplane. And I always, the older brother, I always got to play with the good guy airplane, and it was the Sky Striker. And he was the little brother, so we always got stuck with the bad guys, even though they had cooler guys and cooler equipment. But whatever, he got the, the he wanted the Cobra Rattler. And we talked for weeks about everything we wanted to do with them and how we wanted to play with them, and we made up stories for their fighting and everything else. And we built up to this day... That, that was Christmas, and we got them, and we spent like a year playing with them, and I remember playing with my brother, and it is just one of my favorite memories of, of like a Christmas gift that my brother and I wanted so much, and that we played with so much, and like I, I remember it very vividly today. Uh, the other gift I remember very vividly was uh, from about 20, I don't know, almost 25, a little over 25 years ago. My wife and I were dating. And she was in Houston, and I was in Chicago going to college. And she came up to visit me for Christmas. And I remember uh, spending a few days with her, and she gave me, like, I really fell in love with her at a whole other level at that point, like, while we were there um, for, for those days together. And I, I remember she gave me a, uh, a book set of the Chronicles of Narnia. And, and I love them. I still have them. 
Um, and, and she gave me a pocket watch, a gold pocket watch. And uh, that was, I don't know, about six, seven months before we got married. Um, and we were, you know, it was just, it was very memorable. And I remember those gifts because, number one, I still have them. Number two, because they were wonderful, because they were awesome. They were good gifts. Um, now, when, here's the thing about those gifts, though. As much as I remember them, the, the toy airplanes, the G.I. Joe set, we don't have them anymore. Like, we moved a, a million times growing up, and, and somewhere along the way, they either got given away, or they got put in a box, it got sent to Goodwill, or thrown away, or whatever. Like, something along the way happened where they were just gone. And the watch and the book set, like, the books are, I still have them, but the box they came in is ripped. And the books are worn and wrinkled, and, like, the, the spines are broken, and a couple of them have water damage, and they're just, like, heavily worn. And, and the watch, I, I broke it. Like, I, I uh, as it turns out, my wife knew this was a good gift for me, but didn't realize at the time that I would break everything I ever touched, um, including that watch, like, five times. And eventually it got to the point where I broke it, and we couldn't find somebody to fix it. And I still have it, but I, I don't carry it because, number one, because it's expensive to fix over and over again, and, and number two, because we couldn't find anybody to fix it. And here's the thing with Christmas, and here's the thing with gifts and stuff and even memories um, that stuff um, is where moth and rust can destroy. Like, if it is just a thing in and of itself, if my pocket watch is a thing in and of itself, if the memories are a thing in and of themselves, eventually I'll forget. Eventually my memories will get fuzzy. Eventually, um, you know, stuff goes away. Um, what we celebrate at Christmas is not things that moth and rust can destroy. They are things that are eternal, like the birth of Jesus, God sending his son. And what we're going to talk about today is how we meet Christ where we're at and how he comes to us where we're at. And it is this amazing experience, but it's an experience that in our lifetimes is subject to the ravages of time. This life is not permanent. Um, what? What we're like, we'll, we'll get into it. You'll understand where I'm going with this. And so, um, before we go any further, we're going to do a little background. This is what the last few sermons have been about. The series so far, um, we've been looking at preparing ourselves to host a king. Uh, there are other Christian holidays where we prepare throughout the season, like Easter. We have Lent, and people give up things and they fast and they repent. We have services about preparation for Christ coming, you know, like going to the cross and dying for our sins and all that, and like preparing our hearts and our souls for that experience of remembering Christ dying for us. Um, and so in this sense, we've been looking at like, how do we prepare ourselves for Christmas? And it's, it's a time to celebrate. We prepare ourselves to celebrate. It's like we recognize that the whole Old Testament led up to the birth, um, death, and resurrection of Christ for us being saved through his suffering for us. Um, we prepare our hearts and minds and lives for celebrating the arrival of the king of eternity um, to meet us where we're at because God, um, God comes down to our level. Like we're sinful, we're broken, we're limited. We can't climb up to him, so he comes down to us. Um, and finally, like, like um, it's him meeting us where we're at 
but also on his own terms. And so we recognize in this season as we celebrate, we're celebrating him coming for us, but that we need to be in Christ. We need to know him. We need to be filled with him. We need to be in awe of the amazing things he's done for us. And so as we dive into our text today, Christmas is now here. Merry Christmas. Hopefully you've opened all your gifts and you can't see the floor in the living room because there's paper everywhere and you've all eaten your Christmas breakfast and you're like sort of in food comas and I'll maybe keep you awake, maybe I won't. Um, but as we celebrate today, um, we're going to look at like how the original witnesses, how the people who were there welcomed a king. And the first pair is Mary and Joseph. And we looked at this um, a little bit last week and a little bit at Christmas Eve. Um, so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee in Judea, or from Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She, got, or she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, before there was no, because there, were no, there was no guest room available for them. So now watch this. Um, number one, I, you can go to this place, to this, uh, this uh, a stable, which was actually a cave. It's underneath. There's a church built over it now, the Church of the Nativity. And it is, it is essentially, it's a cave. People would store their animals in caves because they were everywhere in the mountains. And they were cheap because you didn't have to build walls or a roof or anything. And so, like, like it is a cave. It is a hole in the ground. Um, that Jesus was born in. Now, for for um, for scaling, understand. So, like Mary and Joseph, last week we talked about how they faced some pretty long, hard road as they prepared for the coming of Jesus. Mary was a virgin who was betrothed, not like properly married. She um, was going to face ridicule for being pregnant early. Um, David, or excuse me, Joseph. Um, is engaged to a woman who's suddenly pregnant um, before they've been together. And they're, like, there's humiliation for them. There's humiliation for both of them. There's challenge for both of them. They both had to trust God enormously and submit to his will for their lives. That is the big thing they bring to the table, is God chose them and they willingly submitted to him. And they followed through. And everything we know about them comes to us because they followed God's direction. They were submissive. They were the people who brought us, like, you know, literally brought us the Son of God. Like Mary birthed him. Joseph, you know, helped, like, raised him. This is this whole thing that happened. And they trusted God. But the best they could do on the day he was born was a stable. And there's all kinds of theology to this. Christ came... From eternity in the presence of the Father, surrounded by angels for all eternity. Through him all things were created and by, th- by him all things were created. Like, like Jesus was there for everything. And for all of eternity angels have worshipped him. And suddenly he is in a manger, in a, like, a dirty, stinky, nasty cave, surrounded by animals having just been born you know, not able to control his bowels and having to be fed by a human being. And, like, when you really look at all of this, number one, accommodations for the Son of God, this is not it, 
right? Like if I'm going to have, you know, the, the Queen of England over or the King of England now over or, or some famous preacher or whatever, some celebrity, I'm going to bring out the good silverware and the nice place. And we might buy new furniture and we probably vacuum and we probably send the kids to stay with their grandparents for a month. Um, so that the house might even look a little clean. Um, but at the end of the day, we're going to bring our best foot forward. I'm kidding about the kids. Like, it, the kids are my best foot forward. Um, but we try to make the house as nice as possible and everything as nice as possible. But the nice as possible that Christ gets is straw, like a manger, which is a trough wrapped in cloths. Like, like it is not the nicest that they had to offer was not very nice. Um, But the thing that they offered that was really substantial was their willingness and submission to God. Um, Ultimately, guys, here's the deal. Our Christmas celebration, if there is Christmas in eternity, which I sure hope there is, our Christmas in eternity will be amazing. It will be beautiful. The choirs that sing songs will be unbelievable. The meals will be incredible. Everything will be awesome. And there will be no annoying relatives because everybody will be like in God's presence and they'll stop being annoying. Except for me, I'm sure. Um, But like if you look at our Christmas, even our best Christmas isn't that good. The Christmas that compared to eternity. Sorry, I did not mean to attack your family or your Christmas dinner or anything else. But like when you really put it to scale, eternity is so much better. And what we have to offer Christ in our, in our everything is as good as we can manage, but it is not at the level of what God has experienced since eternity. And it's easy to look at that and say, wow, this is pretty low rent. Like, I'm kind of embarrassed. Like, the best I have for Christ is not very good. I, I was thinking about the little drummer boy when I wrote this message, and, and I thought, man, like, he, he came and played a drum solo for the little baby in the manger while he's trying to sleep, and mom had just given birth, like, this is not a good gift. You know, like, it's just not. And I'm sure he wasn't Neil Peart. He's also fictional, so whatever. Um, But, like, at the end of the day, he gave the best he had. What Christ really desires, what Christ really desires is us, not the best we have, is us. And so the family that he came into was people who submitted to the Father, who submitted to God, the, the trough that he was laid in, the, the barn that he, that he was born into, it was Christ submitting to the Father for our salvation, him experiencing the lowest of the low and the hardest of the hard so he knows what we go through in our lowest moments. And as we celebrate Christmas, hit pause and recognize that like you may, you know, if you look at everything and you, you end up feeling like Clark, Clark Griswold where you look at it and you're like, it's all terrible. I can't do the best. I want to do this perfect, but I can't and everything's going wrong. Like, listen to me, brothers and sisters. God brings everything to the party worth having. And our hearts, our submission, our following Christ and belonging to him. Like, that's what we bring. That is what we have to give. Not a drum solo. Parents don't want that. Um, not, not anything else. Not the prettiest house or the nicest tree or, or, or what have you. It is submission, obedience, and love for Jesus. Because he came to die for our sins. Um, who else witnessed it? The shepherds. 
Uh, and I suspect that if there are some people in the church who tease me about this topic, because I have beaten this shepherd topic to death, uh, and, and so I'm going to do my best with it here. Uh, and there were living, this is Luke 2, 9 to 15, and they, there were living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Uh, excuse me, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will be cause for great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And the angels left them. And when when the angels had left them and gone into heaven... The shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. And who, all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Now... This is the short version because I've beaten this to death, I know. Shepherds in first century Israel were really, really low on the totem pole. They were of low esteem. The uh, Talmud specifies that shepherds are not allowed to speak in court as witnesses because they are considered to be fundamentally dishonest. And anything they testify to is probably a lie. Um, And the main reason is they worked in fields with sheep, so they couldn't go to temple. And they couldn't go to synagogue. They were always working. And these guys, like, nobody likes them. Nobody wants them around. Everybody thinks they're liars. They are low, low, low on the social status. And what they got to see was the choir of the heavenly host filling the night sky above them and singing praise to God and announcing the birth of Christ. Um, and like in a very real way, those of us who are broken, those of us who are sinners, those of us who are lost um, on this Christmas day, on every day, we get to back up and we get to look at the announcement that God has come down for us. Christ said that I have come for the sick, or from the, for the sinners, not the righteous, because the sick are the ones who need a doctor not the healthy. And the truth is that we're all sinners. It's just some of us don't realize it. And so when Christ came um, and like the angels came and they announced the birth of Christ, they're announcing the people, the very people to whom, like for whom Christ came. They're coming to save, like he came to save them, to save the lost, to save the liars, to save the dishonest, to save the rejects and the the losers, like Christ came to save those people. And it is amazing and beautiful. And everything else that you get for Christmas, every experience, every story, every everything, it's all wonderful. It all creates these happy, wonderful memories. But ultimately, it all needs to point to Christ because it reminds us, like, the toys, they're going to be thrown away eventually. My G.I. Joe, like, airplanes are gone. 
my pocket watch doesn't keep track of time, and it didn't matter because I barely was good at getting places on time, even with a watch. Um, like all of this stuff, it all piles up, and ultimately it's only Christ that matters. It is only Christ that is eternal. It is only Christ that will bring us into eternity. Only, only Christ. And that's amazing. So they've gone and they've seen the Christ child. The other thing that's significant about this is um, that these shepherds, they're like, if this is, so I, if it's actually December, um, these would be the only shepherds in the field, right? And they would be the, because all the other shepherds went in for the winter, but these guys were required by the Talmud to stay in the field all year round. And their job was to take care of the sheep that would go to the temple for sacrifice. Christ is born the Lamb of God. So every sheep that was born in that field would go to be sacrificed for the sins of the people. And Christ himself, his birth is witnessed by the shepherds, by the very like, like caretakers of the sacrifices. And they saw him and they heard his announcement and they were there because Christ was born to die for us. Ultimately, again, we all are like these shepherds. You know, like, like we lie. I don't know, like maybe not all the time. Maybe you think, well, I'm better than that guy. But at the end of the day, when we stand next to the perfect standard, none of us is perfect. And because we're not perfect, we need someone perfect to fulfill God's law for us. And that is Christ. And so a lot of, like, we are all like the shepherds. We are all sinful. We are all broken. We are all, like, on the outs with God. And we show up to see Christ born. And we celebrate because God is doing something amazing. He is coming to save us from our sins, to save us from ourselves, to make us acceptable to God. And he is the ultimate gift we could receive. And as we give and receive gifts, we remember Christ died for us. We spend time with family. We remember that Christ is like, like makes it possible for us to be ingrafted and added into his family. Um, like God's family. We are adopted sons of God. Um, and that is the shepherds, the first witnesses. They were grateful to see Christ. And so for Adam and, or from not Adam, Adam's in the back there. I can see him from here. That's why I, for uh, Mary and Joseph, Mary and Joseph, like they didn't have a nice place. This world is not a nice place. It was supposed to be. It is not. But Christ is what made it beautiful. For the shepherds, the shepherds were not nice people. They were not nice witnesses but they were the witnesses of the sacrifice, like the birth of the sacrifices, right? Like over and over again, they were the witnesses of that, and they were the witness of that here. In addition, they were not nice people, but Christ's death for them, Christ's death for them made them nice, made them acceptable to God, made them righteous. And so like as we celebrate Christmas, we celebrate that our, our place and our time and our stuff is not nice enough. But Christ makes it beautiful. That we are not good enough. But Christ makes us beautiful. And finally, 
Um, this actually happens after Christmas. You have the Magi, who are probably Zoroastrian priests. And it was a belief in the ancient world that, like, signs in the sky were indications of the birth of royalty or, you know, significant future people or what have you. Like, it was, they were really leaning on this thing. And the Zoroastrians were especially all about the sky and the signs and everything else. And these guys had traveled. Um, there's some interesting stuff about them, and there's some debate as to when they would have showed up. I personally am of the belief that they showed up fairly close to the birth of Christ, not several years after, like like some people believe. But they show up. He's still a baby. He's still in Bethlehem. All of this stuff is going on. Um, and so here we pick it up in Matthew 9, or 2, 9 to 12. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. When they opened their treasures and presented him with the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country another route. So... There's a couple of things going on here. When a king would be born, certain people would come out and uh, be present for it. You'd have people from the nation like would celebrate the birth of a king. And then you would have foreign dignitaries who would come for the birth of a king. And they would bring show, like, things to give as, as offers of fealty or to show like, that they are like allies with you. These are not, these are not foreign royalty. That's what you like to say, oh, we three kings. These aren't kings, they're magi. They are like pagans. They're foreign pagan guys who show up when kings should show up. Because what is brought to Jesus, what is brought to Christ, is not the best. It's the best the world has to offer. And what the world has to offer is nothing compared to what the king of kings has experienced since the beginning of time. But Christ's presence is what makes it exceptional. The other thing they brought, my cameraman just ran off as I was about to talk about this, is three gifts. We're told of three gifts. The first one is gold, and I actually brought all three gifts. I have my golden ring. Here's my wedding ring. I do not have five of them, and I don't wear it all the time because my hand is all swollen usually and fat. Uh, so I, oh, too close, Titus. Back up. There, come on, Bubs. You gotta. So there's my gold ring. They brought him gold. They brought him frankincense. And actually, while I was in Israel, actually I was in Jordan when I bought this. I bought a piece of frankincense, and this is a piece of frankincense. And I'm actually gonna open the bag. I've had this for years, and I've never opened the bag. But I'll hold some up for you. It's like a resin. Um, it looks like the sort of thing that Jurassic Park scientists would drill into to get dinosaur blood. Um, and it has a strong smell, which I can now smell. Uh, I could not before, which is weird. Uh, I also have some frankincense or myrrh. That was frankincense, which is a resin. And then this, and it's like a powder with little bits of flower petal or flower cores in it. No, this is, this is a powder. And this powder is, um, is myrrh. Back out a little bit, Bubs, you're too close. This is, this is myrrh. 
Um, and it was a very expensive scented material, and they would make perfume out of these things. This would be associated with burial. When a person was buried, they would treat the body with myrrh. And like um, all three of these things, and now watch this, all three of these things have symbolic meaning. The gold is associated with kings and with wealth. The frankincense is associated with priests. And the myrrh is associated with, um, with burial. And what we're seeing there is Christ is the king of the Jews. He's the promised king who would come to save his people. Um, he is the priest who would offer himself as a sacrifice for the sins of his people. And he was like the sacrifice itself. And so, like, we have this foreshadowing of what's coming. And so these gifts, they didn't last long. In fact, actually, there's a theory that these gifts were sold, and then the money that they used, or that they got in exchange for the gifts, like, funded their escape to Egypt when Herod was trying to kill them, um, or, or what have you. Like, but either way, he probably did not take these to college with him. Um, these gifts were temporary, and we don't have them today because all things, all gifts, all stuff is temporary, and none of it lasts forever. None of it is forever. And the Magi and their gifts, what made them incredible, what made them memorable, what made them powerful is Jesus, because they presented them to the Son of God, and they point forward to his kingship, to his priesthood, and to his death for his people, where he came to die to make us acceptable to God. The single greatest gift the world has ever received. And so as we celebrate Christmas, as we, as we do all of this stuff, my encouragement, my call for you is the wrapping paper on the floor, the presents, the family time, the great meals. This is celebration of the Son of God's birth. Born to save us. Born so that God could stand in our place and experience what we experience. Born so that God would not be far away from us because of the fall and our sin and our brokenness. Born to give us hope of eternity. And it is over and over again in each of these stories. That cave, you go there, it is a cave, right? Like it is a cave. And there's a giant church built over it. But what makes the cave amazing is God was there. What makes the, the shepherds amazing is their encounter with Christ. And what makes these gifts and the Magi important and wonderful is that they point forward to the work of Christ to save us. And everything. We talked about the trees and how the tree has all these symbols associated with it that help us like recognize truths about Christ and about how God saves us and how Christmas is, is something unique and wonderful in human history. Like all of it, it's all about Jesus. And as you celebrate, as you spend time with family, as you worship, as you pray, as you are enjoying this day that we are celebrating the birth of Jesus, like remember over and over again, it is Christ that makes it beautiful. It's Christ that makes your home beautiful. It's Christ that makes your family beautiful. It is Christ that makes you righteous and acceptable to God and who changes you every day to be more and more like him. And it is Christ that gives gifts meaning that is beyond their ordinary selves. And so Merry Christmas, brothers and sisters. Merry Christmas, friends. Merry Christmas. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being a part of our body of Christ here. It is Christ that makes it wonderful, but... 
you need to be a part of it for it to be the body. Thank you. Thank you for celebrating the birth of Christ with us. And thank you for, for taking a couple of minutes during this time to, to hear the gospel, to hear about God's gift on Christmas. Amen. Merry Christmas.